Welcome to the Payoff Pitch presented by DNL Window Tinting on Phantom Mall Radio. I'm Paul Valley. DNL Window Tinting, we put the shades on the sun. And joining me today from Barstool Sports and also from sideline reporting for the uh, Arena Football League, I have Eric Arditti. Eric, how are we doing today, man? Good, good. How are you? Doing well, man. We had you on the show just before the draft. We had a really great time, did a really great show. Mm -hmm. Really glad to have you back on again. Sorry it took so long to get you back on here. A lot of stuff going on. It's yeah. all right. It's all right, man. It's better to be busy than the alternative. Exactly. So. Uh, last night, Orioles win the game 2-0 against the Nationals. Aaron Brooks, yes, that Aaron Brooks outduels Patrick Corbin. He goes six shutout innings uh, to pick up the win. He's actually pitched to a .82 ERA his last two starts. He's only given a one-earned run in his last 11 innings. Looking better, you know, you see a guy that comes into a game in eight starts, has an eight-plus ERA for the mm -hmm. team. You're like, how is this guy starting even on a bad baseball team? But maybe we're starting to see what the Orioles saw in him. How do you feel about Aaron Brooks and what he's done the last two starts, and is that something that we can look forward to moving forward the rest of the year? Before these last two starts, I was just questioning how he was still on the team. And I mm -hmm. get it that they have to throw someone out there, and I figured that he was that guy, someone that they will just literally throw out there. And like Ashelman. Exactly. You just have him go because you need someone to start these games. Last two games, he has impressed me. Last night, I was just kind of, I kept waiting for, you know, because knowing the Nationals and their offense, and especially what they've done the last month and a half being just the hottest team in baseball, I was just waiting for an inning where they come crashing down, and it never happened. Probably the sixth inning. Yeah, it's, it's always the sixth inning, yeah. Right. And I was just waiting and waiting, and again, it never happened. Um, he had strikeout stuff all night. He was, he was very good early, and that kind of gave me a little bit more hope. And, and so I was, you know, I was happy with it. Obviously, I'm happy. I, I want him to do well. I, just, I don't think he's going to be that guy long term. Right. I don't know if he's going to be here in two years, next year, you know. But, again, I, I think seeing what he's done the last two starts, it's, it's definitely encouraging, and, and I definitely liked what I saw on him, him last night. Yeah, like you say, he's more of a placeholder than anything else. He probably won't even be here next year, but mm -hmm. somebody, he's, he's getting them through games right now. And when you looked at John Means getting hurt and Dylan Bunny being ineffective, they trade cash and you're like, who's going to start for mm -hmm. this team? And now you have guys like Aaron Brooks and Ashley Wood who, yeah. who are – who are stepping up and pitching well. And you mentioned you were waiting for that, that crash down inning uh, yesterday, which has happened so many times mm -hmm. this year for the Orioles. And it looked like it was going to happen in the eighth inning. Hunter Harvey, who has been lights out, stabilizing the back end of that bullpen since he came up, uh, ha hasn't given up a run yet in his, mm -hmm. in his big league career. He comes in last night, gets par to ground out. Then he gives up a triple to left field. Mm -hmm. A left field triple is almost unheard of. Gives a yeah. triple to up to Trey Turner, who's... Got blazing speed. Didn't even look like he was running at full speed. Right, he right. Just, he was jogging, and he, and he made it to third. By the time Santander, Santander excuse mm -hmm. me, got the ball, he was already halfway to third base. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, just ridiculous speed. So anyway, so we get, he gives up the triple. Adam Eaton comes up, strikes out. Then you have a mound visit. And you have to imagine that the, that, that, um, the pitching coach went out there and said, look, you got Soto, you got Rendon. Mm -hmm. These are their best hitters. Don't give in, but don't give them anything that they can hit to tie this ball game. Yep. Right? So what does he do? He walks both of them. He, pitch, he doesn't intentionally walk them, but he pitches very carefully to them, almost back-to-back, -back, unintentional, intentional yeah, walks. That's what it seemed like. To get to Ezreal Cabrera, bases loaded, two outs, 99-mile-an-hour fastball, foul tipped into the glove for the strikeout. Harvey mm -hmm. gets out of the inning. For me, you can look at it and you can say he threw 35 pitches in the inning and he loaded the bases and almost gave up, gave up the game. For me, that was a coming-of-age moment for Hunter Harvey, which says, I'm here to stay, and this is where I belong. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And again, like you said, uh, it seemed like he was going to cruise through the eighth, and we were going to go three up, three down. 
And then I think Martin, I may be thinking of a different inning. I know Martin had something go, oh, no, that was, that was a Blyer inning. Forget that. So, yeah, you thought he was going to go, you know, get through the inning. The triple down the line, which shouldn't have probably been a triple just because how the, the Orioles outfielders were playing. Mm-hmm. And then, again, I'm thinking, oh, man, here we go. We got, you got Soto and Rendon, two of the best hitters in baseball, let alone, and then back-to-back. I was like, this, this is unfair. I think Anthony Rendon also is the most underrated base player I in agree. baseball. I think he's been that for a few years. I wanted the Orioles to draft him when he, when he was coming oh, up. Oh, yeah. And, but he went sixth overall. I think that was here they got Manny I think Machado. it was, yeah. And he went sixth overall because he broke his ankle at Rice. But mm-hmm. that was a guy I had targeted for over a year that the Orioles should pick. Yeah. But anyway, I, I so so I, I was very worried about that. And again, it seemed like you know they Brocale came out and talked to him, and then he walked Soto, or did he walk Rendon and then Soto? I, I think it's Rendon Soto, mm-hmm. but he walked both of them back to back. And after that, I'm thinking like you got to go out and talk to him because again, rookie guy just walked back to back guys to load up the bases in the ninth with two run lead. So I'm mm-hmm. like, oh man, this I've read this book before this year. I know it's gonna happen. And then he just. He he just the, the bat with Cabrera was fantastic. I thought the at bat with Eaton was great too, mm-hmm. where he was battling and battling and battling, and Eaton was just foul ball, foul ball, just kind of playing with him, and he got him there. And Cabrera, I mean, it was just the onions on on Hunter Harvey to finish that at bat and just get out of that inning. And Severino, you know, is pumping his chest and and he's pumped up. And Hunter Harvey looks like he just woke up. He's kind of just like, yep, this is this is what I do. I mean, he you could tell he was fired up, but he. I guess he's just gonna. He's like Dylan Bundy, where he's mm. he'll strike you out and he'll go. All right, well that's it. Let's, just walked off exactly, the and, like like he's been there. And I saw someone tweet about I love seeing the or I, they said I love seeing the reaction from Hunter Harvey after that strikeout. And I went back. I said I must have missed it. I thought he, you know, pounded his chest or he yelled or something. And I I went back and I rewound it, and he just looked like he was going out to get the paper in the morning, just right. whatever, you know. So again, that, again, that shows me ice in his veins. He's like, this is what I'm. I came here to do. I mean, the guy's pitched what less than five times in the majors, and mm-hmm. this was this was a big moment for him. And yeah, it's, it's the just, hottest team in baseball. Oh, absolutely! On the road, he even said it. The, the crowd was going crazy. His adrenaline was going wild, and it was just a walk in the park for him. Mm-hmm. And he, it shows that like he's like, this is why I'm here. This moment is not too big for me, and and I'll handle this no problem. And I think that's great to see, especially for the Hunter Harvey for closer people, which people were tossing that around. Yeah. And, if he's throwing 98, 99, 100, why not? So right. I, I thought that was awesome. I mean, that, that got me fired up. Again, this is a 44-win team. It, it, not much is, is getting us fired up. And Twitter last night was electric watching Hunter Harvey and that fantastic mullet come in and just mm-hmm. mow him down. So I, I thought that was – that's one of the biggest takeaways of the season for me so far. It's just been – and I know it's a tiny sample size, but just seeing Hunter Harvey – and what he's been able to do, it, it's it's awesome. I love it. So yeah, it was it was definitely a great sight to see that strikeout on Eaton, that split change hybrid that, that he throws, 91 miles an hour, mm-hmm. starts in the middle of play, breaks to the outside corner with a big looping break. It was it was a phenomenal pitch, and Eaton just kind of looked like, what was that, mm-hmm. right? And then my favorite thing about it is, and it sounds weird to say two walks, but you have so many guys in this bullpen all year long that come out and they face these these types of guys and they give in. Mm-hmm. They're throwing a 95-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle of the plate yeah. and it's going 420 feet. Mm-hmm. You know, He didn't give in. He mm-hmm. had a plan, and it was clear they had a plan by the way that he pitched to Cabrera after yep. those two. He wanted nothing to do with those guys. He's like, if I can get you to swing at my pitch, cool. If not, I'll live to face another batter. Exactly. And then he gets Cabrera, and he, after throwing eight of nine pitches for balls, 
four pitch at bat strikeout mm -hmm. back in the dugout. It looked like, yeah, like you said, it looked like he knew exactly what he was doing. He, I don't, he wasn't nibbling to Rendon and Soto, but he he again was not giving in, wasn't giving them anything to hit, mm -hmm. and and yeah, and then to Cabrera he said, all right, this is the guy I want, and I'm gonna go out and get him, and just didn't hold back. Like I feel like I I was thinking about it in my head. Kevin Gossman would have absolutely crumbled at that moment because absolutely. he would have given up the two walks, and then he you know I I could just I was replaying that in my mind. Gossman would have walked, you know, he would have walked Cabrera or he would have just laid the first pitch right over the plate just mm -hmm. trying to get it over. But again, it seemed like Harvey had a plan, knew what he had to do, and just absolutely executed it. it to perfection. Mm -hmm. And uh, you look at Harvey, and basically since he came up, the bullpen as a whole has been better. Mm -hmm. They have 14 straight scoreless innings. They've allowed three earned runs in their last 24 innings. This is a pitching down. Now look, back in the beginning of June, I had Dylan Atkinson on the show, and we talked about how the Orioles, they had just gone six straight games where, as a whole, the staff had given up four runs or less in those six straight games. After we, had, we did that show, starting that night, they went 11 of the next 14 games giving up seven or more runs. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was awful. Uh, so we're going to take all of this with a grain of salt. Yeah. Right? But the bullpen has been better. Mm -hmm. They've been pitching a lot better. Starters have been getting a little bit deeper, which has been helping things. But it seems like if the Orioles have a lead, they're going to do Castro in the sixth, or the seventh, you're going to get Harvey in the eighth, and you're going to get uh, Givens in the ninth, mm -hmm. and it's working for them. Yeah, and and you know you talked about it. They'll even mix Blyer and and I, I, he hasn't looked like he did last year before the injury, mm -hmm. and I'm still not that confident in him. I I thought that last night again was another game where I I was like, oh, here we go, Blyer's going to give it up. Castro, I'm never really Castro is always a guy that I'm I again to kind of take with a grain of salt. I always think he's going to give up a big one. He's going to give mm -hmm. it up. He's and I'll admit he's pitched much better. Given since the you know he had he had a little bit of a funk before the trade deadline and that may have affected him, but he's been great since then. He's mm -hmm. he's really turned it around and he's he's looking like the Givens who was untouchable a few years ago at the deadline. So yeah, and again it's it's almost like they talked about a few years ago with the starters like it's passing the baton like the guy in front of you does well you want to do well too and it seems mm -hmm. like the bullpens really taking that into consideration and and they kind of they want to one up the other guy who just had a one two three inning and they they want to they want to keep the scoreless streak going and stuff like that so it's it's good to see them finally in, you know it's better late than ever but they're putting it together and again it's guys who have struggled before and now it, sh it, it looks like they're coming around and you know living up to the potential that we knew michael Givens was very good we knew that Miguel Castro had starter-like stuff, and, and it didn't work out as a starter in the, that short term, you mm -hmm. know, that experiment. But it's, it looks like he's calmed down and he's settled down. Same thing with Givens, that, that they can do this bullpen job. Yeah, and, and with Givens, I think there's something to be said for stability. You know what I mean? Back mm -hmm. in May, June, and even in, in the, in, into July, you're thinking your name is all over the trade blotter, mm -hmm. right? And it's, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? Do I want to go to a contender? I need, I need to pitch, and then maybe the moment gets too big mm -hmm. for you. Extra pressure for sure. Right, and then after the deadline, especially this year, because there's no, there's no clearing waivers yeah, and then getting traded. Yeah, the one deadline. You yeah. have the one deadline, instead of uh, July 31st and August 31st. He knows he's not going anywhere, at least for this year. Mm -hmm. And maybe not at all at this point, you know, as some, because next year the bullpen could be better with him as a stabilizing point with mm -hmm. Harvey and Dylan Tate. We'll get to that at another point in time. But... I think knowing that you're here and you're at least going to finish out the season here gives a sense of calmness and mm -hmm. maybe allows him to pitch a little bit better. I think so. I mean, a absolutely. It's it's because again, I feel like anytime he had a guy on or you know he gave up a home run, it's 
the only thing he saw on Twitter, and I'm, I was guilty of it too, is going, oh, well, there goes his trade value, you know. And I'm sure that's in the back of his head because, again, he's, and, and then press conferences, he may not be asking, hey, like, why'd you throw that pitch on 0-2 or 1-2? It's your name came up in this trade today. What about this market? You know, the Nationals are interested. The Rays were interested, blah, blah, blah. And that's just, there's so much stuff going on in his mm -hmm. head. He, he's not fully focusing on the game. But like you were saying, it's once the deadline passed, hey, I'm here in Baltimore till the end of September at least, you know, possibly longer. Let's get this done. And, and you know, now, now he's pumping himself up for maybe an off-season trade, which, mm -hmm. you know, winter meetings, that could happen too. And, but again, he's, he's kind of, he's, he's definitely writing the ship and, and he's, he's showing, you know, teams that, again, people are still looking at him. Mm -hmm. He's showing teams, hey, I can still do this and I can be an effective reliever. I, I agree. And, you know, with the effective relieving, the starting pitching being a little, little bit better, Orioles last 10 games, they're 5-5. Five and five. When we get back from the break, we're going to talk about how the Orioles have actually been playing some pretty consistent baseball since about the end of June. We'll get into that and more, but first a word from DNL Window Tinting. In your home, sunshine can stream in through windows, bringing a cheerful feel and warmness to any room. Sometimes, though, it brings in too much warmth, even harmful ultraviolet light and solar energy that can raise energy bills, drain the color from your fabrics and furnishings, and cast a blinding glare on your television or computer screens. DNL Window Tinting can protect your home from all of this while saving you money on energy bills. Start saving today by calling DNL at 410-941-2942. That's 410-941-2942. Welcome back to the Payoff Pitch presented by DNL Window Tinting. I'm Paul Valley, and once again here with me today is Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. And Eric, before the break, we were talking about the Orioles' bullpen and how they've been a little bit more stabilized. The Orioles are 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. And before we talked about the bullpen, I mentioned that there was a stretch where they gave up seven or more runs in 11 of 14 games. But right after that stretch ended, they took on the Indians in the three-game series. They gave up two runs the entire series. Mm -hmm. They won back-to-back 13-0 shutouts, which was a major league record. Yep. Since that time, the Orioles, are, they're 22-33 and 33 since that Indians series started. But if you take out the stretch against the Yankees, Astros, and Red Sox, which are you know, three of the best teams in baseball, they played 13 straight games against those teams. They went 1-12. Mm -hmm. You take that out, Orioles are 21-21, and 21, right? Which means that they're competing with the other teams. You know, if the Yankees and the, and the Astros are head and shoulders above the Orioles, but they're head and shoulders above most every, of the teams. A lot of other teams. They win 100 yeah. games every year. Red Sox, this year they're having a bit of a down year. They're still eight games above 500, but they mm -hmm. won 108 games last year with basically the same team, and they won a World Series. Mm -hmm. So you, you play the game that you play. So in, in, a, in an ideal world, yeah, you don't have to play those teams, but in a realistic world, you do. But even still, against all the other teams, 21 and 21, what does that tell you about the rebuild, where the Orioles stand, and what does that do for your expectations moving into next year? I, I think it shows that, again, they're, they're not – people talk about them as, oh, I mean, you look at the John Heyman and all the other tweets, like, oh, this team is terrible, blah, blah, blah. They, they, it's not, they shouldn't even be on the field. They should be you know, relegated, all that stuff. They're not the worst team in baseball. You and I were talking about it before the show. There's four other – there's like two other teams that – may end up with a worse record than them. Mm -hmm. And you can just see, watching the eye test, they're, again, they're not the worst team in baseball. Early in the season, they were making dumb mistakes. They're throwing the ball around like a Little League team. You know, some of the, the plays they're making, they're just not making those plays anymore. They're losing. You know, the games they're losing, they're losing because they're just getting beat. They're not beating themselves. Like, I, you know, I mean, we look at the game against Houston where Rio, Rio, Rio Ruiz hits that walk-off home run. That was the day I got engaged. I was at the no, Congratulations. Thank so, you. And again, 
Santander throws that ball behind him. Right. And you're thinking, oh, crap, here we go again. This is typical Orioles. And then they come through and they, they win that game. That's a game that they lose in May, and mm -hmm. that's, that's showing on not top ten. That's the Mark Sanchez butt fumble for the next five years. That's the Jonathan VR butt sliding into that guy in Houston. That is the, <laughs> yeah. that is the, the picture of the rebuild that we're looking at for the next five years. Mm -hmm. They didn't lose that game. They're, they're playing much better. And, again, the record shows it. Take out the Red Sox, Astros, and Yankees, because again, you should take those out all the time because the stats are just bad against them. But they're not as bad as as the record shows. I think they are improving, and I think you can hear Hyde talking about it. Some of the press conferences from Hyde earlier in their season, he looked like he looked depressed. And what he's did I like, get myself into? Yeah, and he's right. like, you know what? Holy crap! This they are bad. This is going to be bad. But it, it, they're playing better, and I think you can, you know, again, the numbers are showing it with the pitching being improved. Bundy's rebounding, you know, and again, we just talked about the bullpens. Um, it, it's, that's, well, I want them to win, and I want them to play better. Again, we were talking about what does that mean for them next year in the draft. You want them to get the number one pick, but if it doesn't happen, I'm okay with the top three pick. I'm okay with the top mm -hmm. four pick. And like we talked about, you know, they, they may not get the number one pick because they're two back in the loss column against was it the, the Tigers, and then they're right. five up on the win column because right. of their recent, they've had a nice stretch. I, I, and I don't think anyone associated with the Orioles or the rebuild should be worried about a top five pick, top four pick. Mm -hmm. There are going to be some studs there. They may miss. Houston missed too, though, when they were going through their rebuild, and look at them now. So I don't think winning is the worst thing because, again, you need to, the team needs to, to learn how to win. A young team like this, they need to know how to win. So I'm not going to fault them for going out and winning because that's, that's what we want. Again, we were talking about it before the show. They may win 60 games. They mm -hmm. won 47, 48 last year. 47, yeah, yeah. So they may pull out 12 extra wins, 13 extra wins. So I, well, it's not the worst thing in the world for them not to get the number one pick. I, I mean, I, I'm totally okay with them securing a top three, four pick. Right. And honestly, whoever they're going to get, say, say the Orioles – Say, because right now it's the Orioles and the Tigers, right? Mm -hmm. The Tigers have the worst record, the Orioles are second. Kansas City is right behind the mm -hmm. Orioles. But if, if they finish, if the season ended today, the Orioles have the number two pick in the draft. So you're either getting Emerson Hancock, mm -hmm. the, the stud right handed That's pitcher right. out of Georgia, mm -hmm. or you're getting Spencer Torkelson, who is a stud right handed hitting first baseman out of Arizona State. Mm -hmm. Now, Hancock, 199 ERA last year, but the year before that, he had a 510 ERA pitching for, pitching for Georgia. Uh, whereas Torkelson, he had 353 last year, 22 home runs, 65 RBIs. You're, it, it, it's one or the other, and you're getting either a really good player, but there's no guarantees. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, Hancock literally burst onto the scene this year, but the same pitcher had an ERA four runs higher, three runs higher the year before. So you don't really know what you're getting. They could end up with the third pick. I didn't look too deep into who the third or fourth pick is. That stuff changes so much yeah, yeah. over the course of years. Somebody who's a top prospect right now might hit 250 next year. I mean, everyone at this point last year, we were uh, we were all, you know, the Bobby Witt train. And quit for Witt. Yeah. Right. So, and then they ended up with Adley Rutschman. Oh, Caden uh, Grenier, or Grenier, I don't know how yeah, to pronounce it. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, he's the first one who mentioned Adley Rutschman before last season ended, and he ended up being right. So, you know, props to Caden Grenier. <laughs> but the Orioles, what I look forward to with this team, we mentioned Harvey in the first half of the show coming up. I briefly mentioned Dylan Tate, who I think is going to be a big back-end arm for, the, for this team. If Michael Givens stays on the team, then you're looking at a bullpen that's getting a little bit more solid mm -hmm. right there. If, if Blyer fully rebounds from the injury, because he's been pitching better, mm -hmm. uh, yes. and Caster's been pitching better also, you have these guys in that bullpen next year, and then you have 
You're going to have Ballman, who's, who's going to be a triple-A mm-hmm. next year. You have Bruce Zimmerman. Keegan Aiken will probably start the year again next year at triple-A because he's had a bad year yeah. for, for the Tides. But these are guys who are, if they pitch well enough, they'll be up here to help the team. And they're better pitchers than anybody that we've seen other than a, a handful of guys mm-hmm. this year. Ryan Mountcastle, MV, he, he's 22 years old, first yeah. year playing AAA ball, and he gets named the International League MVP. I didn't realize he was that young either. I, when I saw 22, I thought it was like a misprint. It no, yeah, just... he's, he's super young. He, he was drafted out of high school in 2015. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we're talking four years ago. Yeah. Guy's 22 years old, play, playing his first AAA season wins the MVP in the International League. Anthony Santander, this guy looks like, a, he looks like Stud. a future all-star. He's, his splits are almost identical, left-handed and right-handed. How often do you see – how many times have we seen switch hitters on this team, like Matt Wieters, who Cedric hits, Mullins. And Cedric Mullins. They hit 280 from the left side and 130 from the right mm-hmm. side. It's like, what, why are you even yeah, a switch hitter? Yeah, you might as well just give it up. But. but Santander, it's like you can put him in the lineup every single day because he's going to hit 280 to 290 from either side mm-hmm. with power. And, yeah, I was going to say with pop, which yeah. I, did, I didn't know he had that much pop, and he's, he's still young, and he's growing too. Right, and th- this is somebody that – the Orioles got in the Rule 5 draft from Cleveland, and he came up at the end. He, he was injured mm-hmm. most of the year, came up at the end of the year in 2017, played well, had to start the next year with the Orioles, and he wasn't good. And then mm-hmm. finally, when that, I think it was 17 days that he had to Something stay on like the roster. No, yeah. four, it was 44 days. He yeah. had to stay on the roster for 44 days, and then he ended up getting sent back down and played the entire year. Didn't play particularly well at AAA last year. And now this year he comes up out of nowhere. This is the bat that they saw when they mm-hmm. took him in the Rule 5 draft, right? Yeah, I, I, he's really surprised me, and I like what I've seen. Again, like, like you said, I, he looks like a future all-star. He's doing it in the field. You know, his bat, and his bat has surprised me the most. I'm used to the, the, the Rule 5, you know, oh, the guy's a good glove. I'm thinking of Ryan Flaherty. Oh, he has a good glove. Mm-hmm. Bat's okay, you know. It, it, you know, he'll show flashes, but his flash has been for a while now. It's not mm-hmm. like, the, you know, it's not... He's not an entirely small sample size now, but he's, he's shown that he can play. So I, I'm very excited about him. Well, and then, but you also have to kind of remain cognizant of the fact that we've seen this in the past. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old you are. I'm assuming you're close 30. to my age. You're 30. All yeah. right, so I, I got four years on you. There but you you're old enough to remember Luis Matos. Mm-hmm. And Sat it. next to him at a Wizards game when he broke his thumb trying to bunt. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I've, I've hurt my thumb trying to bunt, too. I know how it happened. Yeah. I made fun of him for it, but then it happened to me. Exactly. So, um, but so you had Luis Matos and Gary Matthews Jr. who came up and they got a cup of coffee for about a third of a season. They mm-hmm. both hit well over 300, played really well, and earned themselves starting roles on the team. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, nose back down to earth. Yeah. You know, and, and it's one of those things where you have to be aware of it. But he, to me, Santander, to me, looks better than either one of those. And I remember him because I was in my early 20s when both of them came up. Mm-hmm. He just looks better. He just looks like a ball player. I was going to say, he looks like a baseball player. He right. acts like a baseball player on the field. So I, I'm, I'm with him. The pop surprised me, too. 13 home runs in, what, less than 60 games? Yeah. So th- to, to me, that's been impressive. And then another guy who came out of nowhere, Hanser Alberto. Hmm. He's in 316. He's on track to set a major league record for batting average against uh, left-handed pitching. He's hitting 403 mm-hmm. against lefties right now. He, his bat- batting average hasn't been below 300 since June 7th. June 7th, he was hitting 299 at the end of that day, and he's been above 300 ever since. And this is a guy who, in three professional, three major league seasons with, again, cups of coffee, not, mm-hmm. a, not a ton of games, he's hitting like 183 with no home runs. This year, 316, he's got, he's got 10 home runs. And this is a guy who's probably going to be starting in an infield position for you next year. Yeah, he was a guy who, 
I mean, I think he came into spring training late. He got waived like four times. He got DFA'd like four different times. Yeah, in including once by the Orioles. Yeah, just in spring training alone. Not in the last two years. Yeah, just spring training. Mm. So, yeah, and yeah, again, the Orioles had him, and then they DFA'd him, and, and he's back. But, I mean, I think I saw last night he has, you know, he – just passed Jeter in, in some category for most hits most, against the left-handed hitter yeah. against the left-handed pitching in one season. Mm-hmm. Jeter had 54 and he has 58. And then he's close to Rafi's record too, I think, for the Orioles. It's like the top the top hits against lefties. I think it went like Rafi, Rafi, and then I think it's Alberto. I know they they tweeted something about that last night. I'll have to go take a look at it. But again, this guy this is a guy who. I, when he came into the season, I was like, I, I don't know who this guy is. I don't mm. think he'll stick around. And now he's setting setting records. And I mean, he's he's played extremely well with the glove too. He's not he's not Manny Machado. He's not going to win a Gold Glove, but he's right. a good. I mean, he's a, he's a solid infielder, and he can play all over. And we've seen that. And again, the the bat has really surprised me, and the, the power too. Again, I mean, say what you want about the juice balls. Ten home runs. I mean, it's not the easiest to hit a home run, and he's out there with ten. Um, and again, just it seems like every time he comes up, I'm confident in him. He, this guy's going to get hit, whether it's a lefty or righty, either. Right. So I, I'm I'm really surprised with him. Last night's ball game, the Orioles had five hits for the entire game. He had another two hit game. Mm-hmm. It seems like every time you look Laid at the down box a score, and all he's that, got, he's got two hits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so guys like Neil Walker and Dan Ugla, and even uh, Ian Desmond, who was terrible defensively, mm-hmm. they found homes in the infield in the, at the major league level. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that if Hanse or Alberto continues to hit the way he has, that he can't find a home playing at second base oh, yeah. for the Orioles next year. For me, I think that the Orioles have their middle infield for next year already if you put Alberto at second base. And I, I personally would love to see them extend Jonathan VR. I think I've, so. yeah, I, I've like talked about too. it on this show. They don't have anybody who's ready to make a splash at the big league level at shortstop mm-hmm. or second base. If you have Alberto at second... VR, he ha- he's arbitration eligible this year, uh, at, at the end of this year, and then next year after that season becomes a free agent. Why not buy out his last year of, of arbitration, mm-hmm. extend him for two years beyond that, and that way by the time he gets to 2022, the Orioles are gonna be a, should be a playoff team. I'm not, you yeah. can't say definitively that they yeah, are. Yeah, you'd think that, that they would be on track for that. They should be a playoff team in his final year, and by the time that season's over, then you're talking about Gunnar Henderson and Adam Hall and uh, maybe Caden Grenier coming up and mm-hmm. being on this ball Ho- club. Hopefully Richie Martin is, you know, right. taking or Richie rule Martin. five and, and, and evolved. So I, I think that's a great idea. I would love to see it because, again, He's a veteran guy who, you know, a shortstop. We've seen it the last two months. Mm-hmm. Power. I mean, and he's hit it. He's he's like Alberto since that uh, since uh, the Arizona series. He's just hitting the crap out of the ball. So yeah, he's he's a 2020 guy already this year with an outside chance of being a 30-30 guy. Now mm-hmm. he would have to hit 10 home runs. Yeah, in the he'd have to get final real hot. Yeah. But I mean, he hit 11 home runs basically in August. Mm-hmm. From the end of July through August, he's had 11 home runs. So this is a guy, I'm sorry, nine home runs. But this is a guy who, you know, if he continues on his hot streak, there's no reason to think that he couldn't get up, approach that 30 home run mark. He's going to mm-hmm. get to 30 steals. But this, Why wouldn't you want to have a guy like that on your team? And you can probably have him for 10 to $12 million a year. Yeah, I was going to say, even with arbitration, he's not going to make, you know, he's not going to make anywhere close to 10, maybe 6 or $7 million next mm-hmm. year. The Orioles don't have a lot besides for Davis. I mean, Trumbo's coming off the books. They don't have a lot of those big deals. So, I, yeah, I, I'm, I would fully be in favor of that. And he probably signs for, if you show the good faith of buying out his arbitration year, he probably signs for a little bit less than he would mm-hmm. if he went on the free agent market because it provides him with more stability. Yeah. Uh, and then we mentioned Ryan Mountcastle, MVP of the International League. He has nothing left to prove. 
at the minor league level, right? Yep. People want him to walk more. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. right? 20, 22 walks in 122 games. I think like 120 strikeouts, too, something right. like that. Yeah. Like the, the guy is what he is. He's hitting 308 and 500 bats, 25 home runs, 33 doubles, mm -hmm. and 80 RBIs. In a park that's not easy to hit home runs in either. Right. And playing at 22 years old in his first season in the International League in a ballpark not conducive mm -hmm. to hitting, he has 154 hits. I think the next closest guy in the International League is 14 hits behind him. Yeah, I think it was something like that. I saw a tweet mentioning that yesterday, too. Yeah, and that's a guy who, if he's not on the opening day roster, it's a service time thing mm -hmm. at that point, right? And sh should we expect to see him up in September? I, I would like to. I mean, I, I think, again, I think he's earned it. And there, you can't say that about many people down mm -hmm. in Norfolk because they have some okay players, but I think Ryan Mountcastle has fully earned the right to come up in September and show what he has, you mm -hmm. know. And, and maybe they give some of the at-bats to Trumbo if he stays healthy. I know he hit a home run last night too, right. but he's, it's obvious that his Oriole career and maybe his baseball career is winding down. They may throw him a bone and, and let him, you know, finish out the year. But I would love to – Ryan Mountcastle is a guy who if they announced he was coming up, that would make me go to the ballpark and say, you know what, I'll buy that ticket. I'll buy that $30 pass you and I were talking about. Right. Like, he's a guy that excites me just because, again, he's – I have a friend who works for the Tides uh, on their grounds crew. He said some of the balls to the, the, that Mountcastle has hit, he's never seen balls hit there. And mm -hmm. he's like, the wind is blowing in. It's, it's a, it's, the, the air is thick. The ball is not flying out, and he is doing things that they've never seen before. And again, I mean, some of the grainy video that we see from the Tides tweet out, I'm like, there's no way the ball landed there, and it did, because he's he's a guy who excites me. He should excite people in the you know on the fan base, and I I definitely think he's earned the right to come up again. I mean, it's not like he's just hitting home runs. It's not like he's hitting 22 home runs, but he's batting 230. He's batting three almost 310. Like he's mm -hmm. the guy's a good hitter. He, you know, I I he's someone who we should be excited for, and again, if he's not up in you know starting the season with them it's a it's a service time thing and he'll be up shortly after that and and but i think that he should be up in september and should probably depending on what he does in spring training next year should start the, the season on the big league club and this is a guy who he's this is his fifth professional season with the or with in the orioles organization again drafted out of high school he's a first round draft pick one of two that you uh mm -hmm. dj Stewart was the other one yep um has never hit less than 286 in a full season and at, I, at the minor league level. I always, I don't know why I thought this. I didn't think he was that good of a hitter. I thought that he was that guy who would hit 230 with 25 home runs. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I don't know what I read or what I saw, but I just, when I, before I went and looked at his stats, I was thinking, oh, maybe he's hitting 270, 280, you know, like, oh, he's really playing well, 270, 280. But I was like, oh, man, I did not realize he's batting that high. So yeah, he, he, he surprised me. He's about a 290 lifetime hitter mm -hmm. in, in the minor leagues. And, and I get why you would think that. I think it's more so just the stigma of the Orioles. I th yeah, I, I'm you know thinking I mean? beer league softball, where it's like, oh, he's either hitting a home run or he's striking out, not the, not mixing in the doubles and the same, you know. And and you know, I just thought he was just strictly a home run guy, which and I'm wrong. Aside from Manny Machado, when was the last time the Orioles had a minor league prospect that was highly touted mm. that came up and didn't only hit two thirty? Exactly. Jo Jonathan Scope had one year where he where he just tore the cover off the ball. Yeah. But other than that, he was about a two thirty to two fifty hitter. Matt Weeders hit like two fifty mm -hmm. in his career here. So I understand why you would feel like this guy doesn't hit well, but this guy has consistently hit. And you mentioned your buddy who works at Tides Ballpark, balls landing where he's never seen the ball go before. Mm -hmm. 
just the sound of the ball off the bat it's different. from Mount Castle, it's different. That is a big league sound. And mm -hmm. you don't and even now at the big league level, you don't hear that from a lot of players. Trout's home run last night, I heard it, but I don't yeah. know if well, you've seen that yet. Yeah. You know. But yeah, I know I'm with you. I mean, it, it sounds different. I think he's clearly a major league guy. It just kinda stinks that he's gonna fall into that first baseman, you know, maybe left field that because it seems like the Orioles have mm -hmm. forty of those guys. So. Well, he's played 20-plus games in the outfield, no mm -hmm. errors, four outfield assists. You know what I mean? So he's had, he's done well out there. I think he's just an athlete yeah, overall. Yeah. Uh, and at first base, 994 fielding percentage. He's only made four errors in 83 games there all year. Mm -hmm. Now, look, do you want a guy who doesn't have the versatility to play other other positions? Of course not. And especially when you have Chan Sisko, he's probably if he wants to be an everyday player, it's not going to be a catcher. Move, yeah. You know, you have Trey Mancini who... He can play the outfield, but he's more of a great. first baseman. Yeah, yeah. And then you even look for, and this is maybe thinking too far ahead, but if the Orioles do end up with a Spencer, Spencer Torkelson, he is known as being simply a first baseman. Mm, he's kinda, not going like to move ball. anywhere. Yeah. Right? So it's it's one of those things where you kind of have a log jam, but it's a good problem to have. Oh, yeah. Because uh, these are all guys that can hit mm -hmm. at the major league level. But I'd rather have a guy who I know is going to come up and hit 280 to 300 with power mm -hmm. and worry about where we're going to put him in the field. At other yeah, time. I think you can, you can, you'll make room for him if he's going to hit like that, like, like, like Alberto. If you have a guy who can hit, you will do whatever you can to get him on the field. So I'm, I'm with you there. Well, the Orioles have a lot of uh, exciting guys coming up. Ryan Mountcastle, a lot of exciting pitching at the, at the lower levels. You mentioned earlier in the show that they're learning how to win together at the big league level. I think it's really important that the minor league level, they have four teams that are in prime playoff positions mm -hmm. out, of their, out of their six affiliates. That's a big deal. Moving forward, I think there is a lot to be excited about with the, with the Orioles. Only time will tell at this point. Eric, really great show. Thanks for coming on yeah, today, man. Really having appreciate it. Hopefully we'll get you on again before the end of the year. Um, but yeah, great baseball talk as always with Eric Garditti from Barstool Sports. Once again, I'm Paul Valley. Thanks for tuning in to Payoff Pitch, and we'll see you next time. Go us.